please stand for the reading of the Christmas Gospel. We read from John's Gospel, chapter 1, just a single verse, verse 14. The Word became flesh and dwelled among us. We have seen His glory, the glory He has as the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. This is the Gospel of our Lord, we pray. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our Rock and our Redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. Dear fellow redeemed friends in Christ Jesus, who is the Word made flesh, ever since that first Christmas, for thousands of years now, people have been trying to capture the essence of Christmas. They've tried to capture it in pictures and paintings, in stories and movies, in traditions and family gatherings. And, and maybe the clearest example of trying to capture the essence of Christmas is the snow globe, right? The, the scene there, the, whether it's a city or a house and the people and, and the snow falling when you shake it, Capturing is an attempt to capture the essence of Christmas. But all of those attempts to capture Christmas are doomed to fail, aren't they? You can't capture Christmas in a picture of you and your family all wearing ugly sweaters. Uh, Hallmark, corny Hallmark movies do not capture the essence of Christmas. And a child's toy that is filled with fake snow, cannot capture the essence of Christmas. The essence of Christmas is that the Son of God took on human flesh and was born of Mary in a manger in Bethlehem. Once you look past the lights and the trees and the cookies and the traditions and the gatherings, even when you look beyond the angels and the shepherds and the stable and the manger. There's only one thing that stands the test of time that captures the essence of Christmas. The Word became flesh and dwelled among us. Now John's words are, are very simple here. In fact, even in the Greek, they're very simple. The, the Gospel of John is the, one of the first books that we study at college to, as we're learning Greek, because the Greek is, is very simple. But just because the words are simple doesn't mean its meaning is. In fact, these are some of the most profound words in the entire Bible. The Word became flesh. What does this mean? Well, we're not the first ones to struggle with understanding this. Uh, the shepherds, you know, all they could really do after they heard the angelic message and, and worship baby Jesus, all they could do was go and tell others what they had heard and seen. They couldn't expand on it. They couldn't interpret it. Mary, she pondered all of these things up in her heart until her heart almost had to burst. But it took angels, those mighty messengers of God, to actually explain what was happening here. Today, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. We're not going to be able to do more than scratch the surface of the meaning of these words. We could, we could search the depths, plunge the depths of these words every single day of our entire lives, and we would never reach the bottom. So today, we're just going to scratch 
the surface. The word. Who or what is this? Well, John identifies in the very first verse of his gospel who this word is. He said that the word was God and the word was with God in the beginning. The Word is the designer and the engineer of the entire universe, from the the largest galaxies to the, the smallest atoms. The Word is the one who called light and darkness out of nothing, who who separated the, the waters from the dry land, who made plants and animals and birds and fish all out of nothing. The word is what was breathed into that lump of flesh that then took on human life and became a living being, became known to us as Adam. The Word shared His image with Adam. His holiness, His righteousness, His immortality, and His love. The Word is no less than the Creator of the world, the eternal Son of God. As we sang before, the Alpha and the Omega who was and is and always will be. This is the Word who became flesh. No man-made religion has ever concocted or conceived of anything remotely close to this divine mystery. Sure, the Greeks and the Romans, they had their gods and goddesses who occasionally made appearances on earth, usually to chase women or start wars. But they weren't actually gods. They were just man-made mythological creatures. Sure, there's Mormonism in which people are falsely taught that if you believe and if you strive hard enough, you too can become a god with a planet all of your own. But we know that's false. There is this worldly secular belief that if we just had enough time and money and expertise, We could attain that thing that that remains beyond our reach. We could attain immortality and become gods on our own. And we know from thousands of years of history that every attempt to attain immortality has failed. No one could have imagined this divine mystery, that the divine, the Word, would become flesh. Why? Why did He become flesh? Because that's what we are. Weak, sinful, flesh. He became flesh because he he became our brother to be our Savior. Now I know that we try to suppress the fact and ignore the fact and avoid the fact that we're just flesh, that we came from dust and that one day to dust we really will return. But sooner or later that fact becomes pretty obvious, doesn't it? As we begin to break down, as we grow older, our joints begin to pop. We need to use a cane or other means of assistance to move around. As our brains slow down and our teeth fall out and our hair turns gray, we realize that we truly are just flesh. And that's why Jesus became flesh came to take on our human flesh. Of course, without the sin that we inherited from Adam and Eve and from our parents, He was the perfect flesh, the perfect human being, the, the, the recreation of what Adam was always supposed to be before he fell into sin. 
Jesus also came to join us under the law, as Galatians says. He joined us under the law to redeem those under the law. For all the laws that we have broken, Jesus came to keep them perfectly. For the condemnation that the law says that we deserve, Jesus took that on Himself on the cross. He came as a truly good shepherd to lay down His life for the sheep. He joined us under the law to redeem us from the law. So that now we might be considered sons of God with all the rights of heirs that heaven is our eternal inheritance. Mankind has always wanted to become God. And a lot of religions tell you that you can become like God. But only Christianity teaches this amazing truth. That God became a man. God took on human flesh. God walked into our shoes so that He could be our substitute and our Savior. John goes on to say that we have seen His glory. Now John wasn't there that first Christmas in Bethlehem. He met Jesus a long time later. But he did witness his glory. John was there to see John the Baptist point a finger at Jesus and say, look the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John was on that mountain when Jesus was transfigured before his disciples' sight. And he heard with his own ears that voice from heaven saying, this is my beloved Son Listen to him. John was there on that dark day on Calvary as Jesus bled and died for the sins of the world. John sprinted. He was one of the first ones to see the empty tomb three days later. John was there on that mountain gaping probably as Jesus ascended into heaven to take his rightful place at the right hand of God where he rules all things. John was even privileged to to hear and to see the visions that are contained in the book of Revelation. The amazing things that are contained there. John saw the glory of Jesus. He witnessed it firsthand. His glory wrapped up in our humility. His divinity hidden underneath our humanity. John was there to witness it And He wants us to witness it too. To see the glory in that little baby in the manger. That glory of the Word become flesh to save us from our sins. In Jesus, the Word became flesh to reverse the spiral of history. Ever since Adam fell into sin, everyone in the world has been spiraling down the drain towards hell. And Jesus came to reverse that. He came to restore the image that God had originally given to Adam, that that righteousness, that holiness, that immortality that God always wanted us to have. And He's done it. He's restored the image. Through faith in Jesus, the image of God is restored in us. No, not that we can see. Not that we can sense. We don't sense holiness and righteousness and immortality, do we? But that's what God sees. When God looks at you, He doesn't see a sinner anymore. He doesn't see dust that will rot away. He sees Jesus. He sees His perfect and immortal Son when He sees you. He sees the image restored 
Because Jesus took our place so that we might take His. He took our sin so that we might receive His glory. This is Christmas summed up in eight words. The Word became flesh and dwelled among us. Did you ever think about wanting to be there to see what that first Christmas was really like? I think actually it probably was nothing spectacular. That it looked like any other baby being born, crying in his mother's arms, being swaddled up and laid in a manger. That's a little different, but I don't think that Jesus would have glowed. I don't think that he was born with a halo over his head. And we don't have to go to Bethlehem to meet God in flesh and blood. You wouldn't find him there anyway. If you want to go to Bethlehem as a tourist, that's just fine. But he still dwells among us. He dwells among us in the Word, dwells among us in his Word. That we can read and understand and listen to. He dwells among us in a little bit of water and the Word. By which he makes sinners members of God's family. He dwells in us in a little bit of bread and a little bit of wine, which are truly his body and his blood. He dwells among us to serve us. He comes here to save us, to take away our sins. He is dwelling among us today just as surely as He was dwelling in Mary's arms 2,000 years ago on that first Christmas. He comes to save us. He doesn't dwell with the rich and the powerful, with the proud or those who think that they can become gods on their own. He doesn't dwell in the boardrooms of Fortune 500 companies or the White House Situation Room. He dwells among us. Pitiful, sad, often depressed sinners in desperate need of salvation, in desperate need of something to hope for. He comes and He dwells among us. That is Christmas. After all the gifts are opened and the wrapping paper is thrown away, after all the decorations are put back into the box for next year, after all the family has gone home, there's only one thing that remains. That the Son of God was born of the Virgin Mary in Bethlehem to save us. The Word became flesh. Whatever else you do today, Hold on to that, because that is Christmas. Amen.